Thank you for joining us for this week's message from the First Christian Church in Great Bend, Kansas. Each week we share thought-provoking and life-changing teachings on topics that are important and relevant to you in your life. We hope that you will be encouraged by our weekly podcast and will tune in regularly. Now let's join the First Christian Church of Great Bend for this week's message. Today we are in the second week of our sermon series called On Earth as it is in Heaven. And remember what we're doing in this series is exploring in even deeper ways what we mean when we proclaim at Great Bend First Christian Church our vision is to bring heaven to earth in all that we do. Our, our vision or our God-given purpose is to bring heaven to earth in all we do. Which we are doing not only because this series will help us as a congregation continue to become the church that God is calling us to be, which is no doubt amazing, but also because bringing heaven to earth is what it looks like for you and I to live out our lives every single day as followers of Christ. Or, or this uh, particular teaching is not only foundational for the church, but it's foundational for us as Christians. So last week, and to put the rest of this sermon series into perspective, we began by exploring the first part of the Lord's Prayer. And what we learned in our examination of this the foundational prayer is that as Christians, our goal should not just be about getting into heaven when we die, although that's important, although that's foundational, but should also include bringing heaven to earth, at least in a metaphorical sense. And all because that's what the Lord's Prayer is actually all about. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. On earth as it is in heaven. But now that you get what bringing heaven to earth means, and in a big picture, kind of theological way, it's now time to get practical. Or it's now time to explore what bringing heaven to earth looks like, lived out on a daily basis. And for me, the place that you have to begin when, when getting practical on this issue is by starting with what's most important to Jesus. Or starting with those commandments that Jesus says are above all other commandments. Matthew 22, 36 through 39 explains it in this way. Teacher, which commandment in the law is the greatest? Which commandment in the law is the greatest? Or in other words, out of all the laws that are given to us in the Old Testament, which one is most important or which commandment is above all other commandments? And to that question, Jesus responds. He says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and all of your mind. This is the greatest and first commandment. Or for Jesus, loving God with everything that you are is the greatest commandment. And hopefully you've got that memorized. Hopefully that's ingrained in your mind because it's so foundational to what it means to be a Christian. But surprisingly, Jesus doesn't just stop there, even though all he was asked about was the greatest commandment. But instead, he continues by adding another commandment. He says this, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. 
or what Jesus has done here is basically he has taken two quotations from the Old Testament, scriptures on love, the first being about loving God with everything that you are, and the second being about loving your neighbor as yourself, and said these are the pinnacles of the commandments, which means what's most important to Jesus, not only for the way he lived his life, but in how he taught others to live, is that love comes first, or love is the foundation. But to take this teaching even further, and you really need to hear this part, not only does Jesus teach us that loving God and others is what comes first, but we also find that according to the Gospel of Luke, inheriting eternal life is dependent on this kind of love as well. Luke 10, 25 through 28 says this, Teacher, he said, What must I do to inherit eternal life? What must I do to inherit eternal life? Or in other words, what does it take to get into the kingdom of heaven? To which Jesus responds, not by answering this question directly, but by asking him a question. Jesus does this kind of stuff all the time. He said to him, what's written in the law? What do you read there? Or you're a smart guy. You know the law. You you know what the scriptures have to say. What do you think it takes to inherit eternal life? To which this lawyer responds, and this should sound familiar to you. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. So of course, Jesus responds to him, you have given the right answer. Do this and you will live. Do this and you will live. Or note that according to this particular teaching, if you want to inherit eternal life, or if you want to be someone who gets into heaven, then loving God and loving your neighbor is a huge part of what that looks like day in and day out. Okay, so now that you can clearly see for Jesus that loving God with everything that you are and loving your neighbor as yourself is not only what comes first, but also plays a huge role in the eternal life stuff, this this thing that we can enter into, what we need to do next as we seek to understand what bringing heaven to earth looks like lived out is to now ask the question, what does it look like to love God and our neighbors? Or what does it look like to love God with everything that we are and our neighbors as ourselves? Well, to answer that question, all we have to do is continue on in the book of Luke where Jesus tells us a parable about loving our neighbors. Luke 10, 29 through 37 continues. But wanting to justify himself, the lawyer asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? And who is my neighbor? Or what's going on here is that this lawyer wants to get a bit more specific on who it is that actually qualifies as his neighbor. Or in other words, who it is that he is actually required to love. Because surely not everyone is going to be his neighbor. Or surely he can't love everyone. And so Jesus tells the story or this parable in response to this question. A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell into the hands of robbers who stripped him, beat him, 
and went away leaving him half dead. Or, or to set this parable up, Jesus tells us this horrible account of a man who has been beaten, stripped, and left for dead on the side of the road while traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho, which basically means this is a man who is in desperate need of a neighbor. Now by chance, a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came upon the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. Or what happens in this story is that by chance, two of the most holy and well-respected Jewish men happen upon this half-dead man laying in a ditch, which you would think would be great news for this guy laying there because you think that they would help. But what these holy men do, instead of stopping to help like they're supposed to, because everybody knows that's what it means to love your neighbor as yourself, what they do is simply walk around him, leaving him to die. That's right. Two of the most holy people in all of Israel, instead of stopping to help, or instead of loving their neighbor as their self, leave this man in a ditch to die. But that's why this then happens, which is the twist of the parable. But a Samaritan... But a Samaritan. That's right, a Samaritan. And what you need to know about Samaritans is that these people were considered to be the mortal enemies of the Jews. And all because Samaritans were those half-breeds who corrupted the one true faith. Which means, according to the Jews, Samaritans are so evil, they can't do anything right. But a Samaritan, while traveling, came near him. And when he saw him, he was moved with pity. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, having poured oil and wine on them. Then he put him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper and said, Take care of him and, and when I come back, I will repay you whatever you spend. Or what Jesus does in this parable to answer the question, who is my neighbor? Is to take this mortal enemy of the Jewish people, a Samaritan, and make him the hero of the story. Or the one who actually loves his neighbor as himself. And the reason Jesus does this is to show us that a neighbor is not just someone that we know and like or someone who's in our particular group. But as anyone, and I mean anyone, it doesn't matter who they are, who is in need. What Jesus shows us in this parable is that our neighbor is anyone who is in need. So what it means to love those people who are in need, as the parable also shows, is to do what's best for them. That's right. What it looks like to love your neighbor as yourself in the bump and grind of everyday life, according to Jesus, is in every situation to do what's best for others. And yeah, it really is as simple as that. And yes, when you think about it, feelings don't have that much to do with it. But what's even more amazing than that is that Doing what's best for others is also one of the main ways we are being called to love God with everything that we are. Because not only does loving God include things like worship and prayer and giving to God's kingdom, it's also the case that doing what's best for others or loving our neighbors as ourselves is how we love God. 
Or as Matthew 25, 35 through 40 puts into perspective for us, it says this. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick and you took care of me. I was in prison and you visited me. Truly, I tell you, just as you did it to one of the least of these who are members of my family, you did it to me. Just as you did it to one of the least of these who are in my family, you did it to me. Or what Jesus is getting at here, and you've got to get this, is that when you love others, you're not just loving others. You are loving God. Or anytime you do something to help another person, you're not just helping that person. Or you're not just loving your neighbor as yourself. You're also loving God. Which means from your kids to your spouse, to your neighbors, to your friends, and even your enemies. Doing what is best for others is what it looks like not only to love your neighbor as yourself. And we get that. That makes sense. But it's what it looks like to love God with everything that you are. Which is a truth that if you get it, changes everything about everything. Okay, so now that you can see that what comes first for Jesus is loving God with everything that you are and loving your neighbor as yourself, and that practically speaking, loving God and neighbors boils down to doing what's best for others, you are now in the place to understand what it looks like to bring heaven to earth in all that you do. Or what it means to play your part in causing God's kingdom to come and his will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. Because what that looks like lived out every single day is for you in every and all situations to devote yourself to doing what's best for others. That's right. What bringing heaven to earth looks like lived out every single day is devoting yourself to doing what's best for others, especially those in need. And again, it really is that simple. That's how we bring heaven to earth in all we do. Let us pray. Father, we come before you this morning. And once again, we're grateful, um, grateful for this teaching, grateful for the way it makes us think and begins to transform us. So Lord, as this sits with us, as this seeps into who we are, help us to understand that what's most important to you is love. Loving you with everything that we are and loving our neighbor as ourselves. And help us to understand that to a certain extent that, that looks the same. Because when we devote ourselves to loving others, or when we devote ourselves to doing what's best for people in need, that's also how we love you. So as a people, oh Lord, help us to see that it really is that simple. 
But then when we see it, help us to actually go out and live it every single day or help us to truly be a people who are all about bringing heaven to earth in all we do. We ask this all in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. You are invited back next week for another life-changing message from the First Christian Church of Great Bend, Kansas. Please check out our website at www.fccgbk.com. That's fccgbk.com. May you have a blessed week.